Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I haven't changed since the very beginning. Lockdowns are an absolutely terrible and horrific idea. Mandates are a terrible idea. Now, if a business decides they don't want to be open because of coronavirus, that's on them and up to them. I can agree or disagree, but no real argument. It's their choice. People and reminding them to wear masks, reminding each other to wear masks is just fine. A governor or a mayor utilizing the bully pulpit, the president utilizing the bully pulpit as, t- as a reminder to tell people to wear masks fine by me. Mandates are something different. It seems that as we have gone along this past year, year now really of coronavirus, what we have seen is people try and engage levels of control with the assumption that they could make things better, but possibly the only thing they were making better was making themselves feel better. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Let me bring in Phil Kirpin right here. His latest piece over at the American Spectator, COVID and the illusion of control. A very, very interesting uh, a piece. Uh, we've talked to Phil before from American Commitment. And really, uh, Phil, you're not a doctor. You're not a scientist but you're pretty good at numbers and you simply have been doing the the yeoman's work in following the data and understanding not only what's been going on with the actual disease itself but also in the that vaccine uh conversation and where the vaccines are and who's been holding back and who's been uh, delivering properly and and we can get into that but i want to stick to this article because what you have done i, I think is made a, a, a grand amount of sense here in that what we have seen nationwide, regardless of party, is an idea that somehow we can control something that cannot be controlled. And the only reason it was done was to make ourselves feel better. Your take. Yeah, Tony, first of all, great to be with you. Uh, you know, we're nine months, a year into this, and... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago now, we passed a milestone that I think was pretty remarkable but went mostly unnoticed, which is that California, pretty much in continuous lockdown of varying severity throughout, now has more total per capita cases of COVID than Florida, which has been totally open since September. And to me, that just kind of goes to show that no matter how extreme, stringent, and long-lasting these measures are, you know, human beings via governmental policy really cannot stop the spread of a highly infectious respiratory virus. But in attempting to do so, we add all kinds of additional problems. You still have the problems of the virus itself, but now you have all of the social, economic, educational, et cetera, problems of the lockdowns and that failed attempt uh, to suppress the virus. And I don't see... I don't see successes in terms of the, you know, it, it's a pandemic. The pan part means everywhere. And frankly, the places that thought they were so brilliant uh, just hadn't had their turn yet. And it's pretty clear that it, it's, you know, it's going through everywhere. And you can't really stop it uh, via government mandates, but they cause an awful lot of additional damage. 
Now, the damage we have discussed before, especially when it comes to kids, schools, the, the closing of schools, and you, I, I've quoted you before both here and, and on television, you know, it's one thing to make up from the economic loss. It's a very difficult thing to make up from the education loss. But I want to go back to the piece that you have over there at American Spectator, COVID and the illusion of control, talking to Phil Kirpin right now. We still see this happening. So let's make sure we're, we're understanding you properly. Is there no reason for shutdowns or is there no reason for the government to be engaged in shutdowns? Well, you know, it's an interesting distinction. I, I think there's, there's certainly no reason for the government to order things closed. And, and one of the reasons for that, uh, that I think the, one of the reasons all those models uh, were wrong in the beginning is they kind of made the assumption that people wouldn't change their behaviors unless government ordered them to do so. And, you know, that's not realistic because what happens when there's a bad disease around, people get more cautious and protective of themselves because they don't want to get sick. And so, you know, you don't need government to tell you if you feel sick, you know, don't go around shaking everyone's hand, stay at home. Uh, so I think what happens is uh, the the reason we see these, these these waves rise and fall, you know, among other reasons, the buildup of population immunity, et cetera. But the reason even the initial wave peaks and then falls is people have awareness of what's going on and they alter their behavior. They don't need to be ordered by government, which is why you have essentially the exact same disease curves. Uh, you know, when you, when you take a pair of states and one has a bunch of government orders, like say North Dakota, and one has none, like South Dakota, they have the exact same disease curve because people will alter their behavior uh, without government mandating that they do so. Now, you talk about being protective. People will protect themselves. I actually believe this. They'll do what they think is, is right, and, and they'll find their comfort level. But all we've been hearing about for the last 24 hours is, oh, my gosh, Tampa Bay, you host the Super Bowl. No one's wearing a mask. It's Sodom and Gomorrah, Phil Kirpin. And, and all it's going to be not only a super spreader event, it's going to be a super duper spreader uh, event. And watch, this is why we need government to step in because these people can't be trusted. Your take. Well, Tony, every time the so-called experts pronounce a super spreader event, uh, it does not turn out that way. They have an almost perfect record of being wrong on that. And, and frankly, uh, super spread events do not occur outdoors. Uh, they, they just don't. Uh, the, the transmission dynamics don't exist to have super spread events outdoors. Even one-to-one -one transmission outdoors is pretty hard. You got to like be practically hugging a person or in their face, uh, you know, for an extended period of time, because when you breathe out outdoors, uh, one of two things happen. If it's, a, if it's a big droplet, it falls to the ground. If it's an aerosol, it gets blown away on the wind. And so we just, we don't have super spread events outdoors. And of course, uh, we heard the exact same thing after Alabama won, right? Uh, where there was the massive celebrations all over the streets of Tuscaloosa. They said, oh, it's going, Alabama's going to go crazy now with case. Alabama cases are straight down over the last month, uh, which is basically uh, like everywhere else in the country, really everywhere in the world, it's very sharply down right now. And so I think that um, it's – I don't know exactly what's happening right now, if it's just end of season or if it's we've finally reached some population immunity or, or what is happening. But for the first time, we're seeing declines, pretty sharp declines pretty much everywhere. And my hope is that, uh, you know, 
will get the vaccine widely distributed enough during this sort of lull where the virus is retreating everywhere so that we won't have another major epidemic and uh, this will be the end of it. Talking to Phil Kirpin, you can find more from him at AmericanCommitment.org and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com along with Steve Forbes, Steve Moore and Dr. Arthur Laffer. Let us get into the idea of the vaccine itself because all we hear from the Biden administration, all we've been hearing about for the last week is uh, no plan, had to start from scratch, the vaccine wasn't there, there was, there was, there was no strategy from the Trump uh, a- a- administration, what it looks like to the outsider looking in, that they're trying to reset the idea of um, expectations, right? Politics being an expectations game, so they can lower the expectations and exceed them uh, so they can then take uh, the credit for doing all the work of getting the vaccine out there. As you've been studying this issue, What's going on with the vaccine? What's going on with the states and the vaccine? And is the Biden administration right or wrong? Well, first of all, the Biden administration is just continuing what the Trump administration was doing on uh, vaccine supply and distribution, which is smart because the Trump plan was a good plan, uh, essentially, to have the manufacturer ship directly to the states and have the states manage the distribution. And of course, you know, Trump was already doing over a million vaccines a day shipping uh, before Biden took office. And he said, I'm going to be very ambitious. I'm going to raise his million a day to 100 million over 100 days. And uh, of course, everyone sort of laughed and said, that's like literally the same number as what Trump's already doing. Uh, Although we have we're we're up around a million and a half now. And so it has increased. Uh, And so the supply is coming. And uh, Johnson and Johnson is applying for their one dose vaccine uh, emergency use authorization. I believe they applied on Friday. And so and in a couple of weeks, we'll get FDA will rule on that. Most likely they will issue that and uh, they're going to have probably 10 million right out of the gun and they're going to have a hundred million by mid-year. And so supply is there largely and is coming. We're going to be probably within a couple months where anyone who wants it can get it. And my view is once we're at the point where anyone who wants it can get it, there should be no restrictions or rules or limitations of any kind on anything because, look, we have an effective vaccine. If someone wants to get it, they can get it. If somebody else wants to take the risk of getting the virus instead, they can make that choice. But I don't think we should have society-wide restrictions anymore once everyone who wants the vaccine can get it. And so I'm really going to be pushing that point. I don't think it should be about some specific percentage of uptake because if someone doesn't want it, that's, that's your choice. It's a free country. All of that said, Tony, some states are doing much, much better than others in terms of getting it to their senior population, which is where almost all the serious disease and death is with COVID. And you are right at the top of the list there uh, in Indiana. You were the first state over the weekend to vaccinate more than half of your state senior population. Uh, In Indiana, you use an age 70 cutoff in your reporting. So uh, you're over 50% of every Indiana resident age 70 has at least got the first dose of the vaccine. You were the first state to reach that level. Uh, Alaska was the second today, and you know it's a lot easier in a state like Alaska that only has you know 50,000 70 plus residents than a state like Indiana with over 700,000. So it's uh, you should be pretty proud 
of the distribution that you've got there and the job that uh, the governor and Chris Box have done putting that program together and getting it out. And, you know, you know it's, you a, it's a funny thing. You, you bring up it's an even higher percentage. So you guys are the leaders. You're, you're really you, killing it in terms of, you know, getting it to people who are the most vulnerable. And certainly I disagreed with, with Governor Holcomb on, on levels of shutdown and lockdown. But we have talked about how incredibly well these things are going. And I will give all the credit where it is due because why not? I'm not interested in getting in a fight over these things. I'm interested in celebrating good news. As you see it, though, before I let you go, what's been different in Indiana? Now, certainly that you can argue that there is just like a difference between us and, and Alaska in population. There's a difference between us and New York in population. But there's clearly something that Indiana did very, very right very early. And I'm interested in best practices and how can other states emulate it as you see it, what is what is it that they've done right? What is it that other states have done right versus what other states have done wrong? I think the states that have done a really good job have uh, one thing in common, which is uh, they had a relatively simple age-based distribution system rather than a very complicated multi-category, this person's more essential than that person kind of system. And you look at some of the more liberal states that, uh, you know, early on the CDC's advisory panel basically said, don't do it based on age because old people are more white than younger people. And so if you do it based on age, it's going to, you're going to, you know, unfairly disadvantage minorities and sort of political correctness uh, prevented having the simplest, most effective distribution. The states that have done a good job have been the ones that kind of said, you know what, we are going to get our health care workers done first. Every state did that. But then we're going to basically do it by age, starting with the oldest and going down. And Indiana started with 80, then went to 70, been very, very effective in using that age-based distribution. Florida did it a little differently. They just said everyone's 65. We're open right away. They created massive demand among their huge senior population. That's worked well for them. Louisiana's been an age-based distribution. It's worked really well for them. Uh, Ohio started out not very good. Then they switched to an age based distribution. They've been really good for the last couple of weeks, sort of catching up with those top states. And so I think the key is make it simple and do it based on age. The states that have tried to be more complicated and have all the other political considerations and the political correctness and so on, they have performed very poorly as a consequence of that, including, by the way, in New York, where they have repeatedly have to th- had to throw out vaccines because they couldn't meet the criteria that Cuomo placed on them. If you can recall Gavin Newsom, there's got to be a system for recalling Andrew Cuomo. Just has to exist. Phil Kirpin, K-E-R-P-E-N from AmericanCommitment.org and one of the founders there at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Committee to to UnleashProsperity.com. Phil, I appreciate you taking the time. The piece is over at American Spectator. COVID and the illusion of control. Check it out for yourself. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. In the northwest corner of Indiana lies a town named Gary. And Gary, Indiana, right outside of Chicago, they have decided to uh, have a day honoring their late mayor. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. It's called uh, Mayor or it's actually called Richard Gordon Hatcher Day. The mayor was Richard Hatcher. It's Richard Gordon Hatcher Day. They voted eight to one to do this. They voted eight to one to have Richard Gordon Hatcher Day. Uh, that's no problem. Go ahead and have, ha- have the day. Knock yourself out. The problem is they decided that it would be celebrated on the second Monday of October for city employees. That's Columbus Day. They have replaced Columbus Day 
with Richard Gordon Hatcher Day because being woke is more important than anything else. It wasn't enough to just say, hey, we really appreciate the work that this mayor did in our city. I don't know anything about Richard Gordon Hatcher, so I have no commentary to whether or not they were a good mayor or not a good mayor. But they want to have a day. Go ahead, have, have a day. Feel, feel free to replace Columbus Day. Well, now we're into a whole nother thing. Wokeness is the name of the game here, and none of the residents of Gary, Indiana, are helped by it. Zero. It doesn't exist. No one got smarter. No one got richer. No one got more healthy. No one. The city did not attract one more resident by doing so. It just didn't happen. You know, we had this conversation with um, with Phil Kirpin just, just a moment ago, and we touched on it, and I allowed him to share it, but it, it, it's worth repeating. The states that are doing well are following science, saying that we know that coronavirus exists in terms of the most harm in, in older populations, so we started with the vaccine in older populations. And states like Indiana are crushing it. I'm very happy to see it. I don't necessarily get along with, with, with our governor, and that's because uh, our governor has decided not to get along with me. That's a true story. That's an that's a honest-to-goodness true story. If that man wanted to get along with me, he would know where to find me. I don't like the, the lockdowns. I think he was wrong on the beginning on that. I still hold to that. I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say so. But when I see something good happening in my state, I cheer. I think it's great. But the science said you take care of the older population first. But in the other states, states where wokeness, like replacing Columbus Day, reigns supreme, well, that might run afoul of rules about well, you can't just vaccinate all the white people. The older population is more white. You can't just vaccinate those people. But the science says to do it. And so there's this moment, so unique and so grand and so important, where wokeness meets reality. And they realize they can't exist in the same place. It's like if you time traveled, you can't touch yourself, because then you'll explode or something like that. I meant touch the other you. Stop it. But this is where we're at. Wokeness meets reality, and it can't function. Reality says science, and science says older populations first. But for the leftists, it means you have to distribute based on some principle of fairness. But the virus doesn't work that way. Do you want to look like you're doing something, or do you want to do something? That's what Gary did. They took a man they wanted to respect and honor and said, let's make it look like we're doing something. I'm Tony Katz. Ben Sass wants you to know that, look, you can censure him, but I'm right. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. I am not an anti-Sassite. There are times where I disagree with the man. Anti-Sassite. Was that not a thing? That's so fun. Did you think of that? Did I? Of course I thought of that. That's really good, Tony. That is that copyright Tony Katz today, all rights reserved. If I don't hear this utilized amongst the Nebraska GOP by the end of the day, 
I'm out. That's a very I'm well gone. Well done. But uh, Senator Ben Sass, uh, he he made a, a video, and he wants you to know in in Nebraska that idol worship is not conservative. Something has definitely changed over the last four years, but it's not me. Personality cults aren't conservative. Conspiracy theories aren't conservative. Lying that an election has been stolen, it's not conservative. Acting like politics is a religion, it isn't conservative. Now, that part I totally agree with, right? Acting uh, like, like your politics are a religion, that's, that's nuts. Acting like an election's been stolen, that's a different conversation, Senator, than saying, I have an issue with this right here. Let me show you. It's if, if I point out that Pennsylvania, the courts usurped the legislature, the legislature, the legislative branch. And yes, those results were certified, but we're still talking about an act that is unacceptable. I would argue unconstitutional. Am I now not a conservative for noting it, for noticing it? Because if you want to tell me that, you can, and then you and I will have a robust disagreement where I explain to you why you're wrong. But I just want to make sure we're making that distinction. Screaming it's stolen without bringing the receipts of a theft, that indeed is not conservative. But Senator Sass is not done. Still believe every word from the campaign trail. What makes America great isn't power politics. It's what happens in the communities where you and I are raising our kids. Happily, most Nebraskans still believe that too. I think that's why Nebraskans just gave our campaign tens of thousands more votes than President Trump got in our state. It's why our campaign just set all-time vote count records in both the primary and general elections, despite being primaried last year for not being Trumpy. Not being Trumpy, you gotta, you gotta love that. His argument is a a good one in that one, and in, in in that that you have numbers don't lie. If he got more votes than President Trump, and he isn't into the very concept of idol worship, well, then clearly there's an attractiveness there. Now, I have often discussed this very idea of idol worship. I am not there. That's why when I watch people talk about the party and the party of Trump, first, it, 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 as a conservative, it's about the values and the concepts that allow me to live my most free life with other people staying the you-know-what out of my way. That's what it's about. That's the, the, the value. It's not about the guy. Now, to not recognize that the guy was helpful and taught lessons. If, if, if Senator Sass wanted to say to me that there is no lesson learned and there is no value that came from Donald Trump's four years, well, then I would say to him, uh, you got to go. I, I, of, of course. Of course. You, it, it would be time to, to say goodbye because that's untrue. And of course it's untrue. It will remain untrue. But uh, Senator Sass, I don't know if he's saying that, but he's not done. All-time most votes for any candidate in Nebraska history. And look at Omaha, which he lost by a lot, and we won handily. Why? I think the reason's simple. Nebraskans aren't rage addicts, and that's good news. You are welcome to censure me again, but let's be clear about why this is happening. 
it's because I still believe, as you used to, that politics isn't about the weird worship of one dude. The party could purge Trump skeptics, but I'd like to convince you that not only is that civic cancer for the nation, it's just terrible for our party. But either way, I'm going to keep doing what I promised. We still agree on some big things, rule of law, constitutionalism, limited government, unlimited human potential, extending the American dream to more of our brothers and sisters. We can lead again, but only if our party is willing to change. We're going to have to choose between conservatism and madness, between just trolling versus actually persuading the rising generation of Americans again. That's what I'm focused on. And I sincerely hope that many of you will join in celebrating these big, worthy causes for freedom. Look, I know I won't always get it right. I make a bunch of mistakes, but I'm always going to work hard for Nebraskans, and I'm always going to tell you the truth. Thanks for listening. Swing and a foul tip. I mean, he had the argument. He had the argument, and then he, he let the argument go where did that happen i'm going to keep doing what i promised we still agree on some big things rule of law constitutionalism limited government unlimited human potential extending the american dream to more of our brothers and sisters we can lead again but only if our party is willing to change we're gonna to have to choose between conservatism and madness, between just trolling versus actually persuading the rising. Stop. You're right about the unlimited potential, Senator. You are absolutely positively correct, but it wasn't four years of just trolling, now was it? That is a dishonest thing to say. That's dishonest. I'm not saying it didn't exist. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But it was about a much larger conversation that is worthy of recognition. And with all due respect, Senator, stop pretending it doesn't matter. It has to do with the ability to properly fight. And the ability to properly fight, to recognize what a fight is, to go out there and do so, and not worry about whether or not you get invited to the proper Christmas party, is one of the most essential functions that the conservative must engage you're absolutely right. Idol worship is nuts. I'm not in. The principles matter. But you're going to discount four years of Donald Trump who actually engaged the idea of fighting? You may not have liked the way he fights. You might think there's a better way to fight. You might think that the fighting needs to be more surgical. Okay, now we're talking. But the idea that we shouldn't fight? The idea that it was all just trolling and not a pushback from a hyper-aggressive, abusive, radicalized press corps and others who had no interest in truth or facts or decency, solely and exclusively destruction. If we are going to take the entirety of it, sir, and just simply push it to the side as, oh, that Trump, well, then censure should be the least of the things that happens to you. Maybe the problem is you and the Republican Party in Nebraska are so wrapped up in being right, you haven't figured out what's right. Or maybe better said, 
Where are the parts that you agree and how do you build on those? And where are the parts you disagree and why? If I'm taking a look at it, how I took your word, Senator, idol worship is a problem. If you think the Republican Party is the party of Trump, every, you're absolutely wrong. Everything you think doesn't fit into the view of, a, of conservatives. It fits into a very liberal view. And if you want proof of that, look at the people who were singing about and saying, I serve Barack Obama. Is that you? I'll serve the nation, or better yet, my nation will serve me, and I'll do my part for my nation so I can get my part from my nation. Right? I will absolutely be the person who engages his civic responsibility and therefore takes his civic opportunity. Right? Some people argue that Kennedy was wrong. Ask not what your country could do for you. Ask what you could do for your country. Should you be asking that? Or should your country be doing the things because that's why you elect people, so they do the things so you can go about living your life, and one of those things is protecting your rights. But if someone is saying that one person, in this case Donald Trump, is the entirety of the party, that person is wrong and should be told so. And I would come to Lincoln, Nebraska, speak at any Lincoln Day dinner, and say so directly. But if you don't think Donald Trump had a lesson or two for us, including you, Senator Sass, then you missed a valuable moment. I mean, a valuable moment. And I would say that to the Lincoln Day dinner I'm invited to speak at as well. You can get with producer Ari on the fees there. We'll take care of that. I don't think that the Nebraska party, the GOP, should be censuring Ben Sass. I think it's a waste of time, and it's all about virtue signaling. But he made this video, so if you don't, he could he could look like a big shot. I mean, the video is a good preemptive play. Huh. If you're going to replace him, well, then my gosh, replace him. If you already primaried him and it doesn't work, maybe you got to do it better. But if Ben Sass doesn't want to recognize that Donald Trump fighting was an incredibly important lesson for Republicans, well then, my gosh, I hope you enjoy being the minority party forever, which Republicans don't, which is why they supported Donald Trump. <sighs> There's so much to teach. I'm Tony Katz. It was a crazy headline. Agents nabbed 253 illegal aliens within an hour on the southern border. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. This was over at Fox News, and I said to myself, 253 in an hour? That's 2,530 people in 10 hours. That's 5,000 people in 20 hours. And what is that? Another 2,000? It's 27,000 people. 27,000 people. Not 26,000, right? Four hours. 26,000. I think I got it right. Maybe it's 27. The point is, how do you keep up with that? Now, agreed, it won't be the same amount of people every hour. So what number do you think we can keep up with? And when you keep attracting people to the border by 
grand promises of openness and no border issues and payments and not even a willingness to refer to people as here illegally, what do you think is going to happen? The problem here is not that ICE does their job. It's that we don't do enough to stop people from entering illegally. You know, I always said about the wall, I never actually thought a wall would be built. I thought we were talking about just having better border enforcement. 253 illegals in an hour? Maybe you do need the wall. Maybe you need more than one. Maybe you got to treat it like you treat the Capitol. Big, big fences, baby. Big fences and razor wire. No, no, not good enough for the border. Interesting. Your car's seatbelt, safety miracle or decapitation nightmare? What is the connection between rain and farming? The answer may surprise you. Heroin, sex, machine guns, flamethrowers, murder. There's no story here. We've just found that ratings go up when we say those words. It's time for the worst headline of the day. It's a national story, and it is indeed awful. This woman used Gorilla Glue instead of hairspray. She ended up in the hospital. This is a real story. Her name is Tessica Brown, and she used Gorilla Glue to keep her hair in place. Um, Because she ran out of what's called got-to-be-glued spray. So she's like, oh, here's glue. I'll just use this. But Gorilla Glue, for anybody who's ever used Gorilla Glue, is simply impossible to remove. You got to use, what is it? Is it acetone? Is that, is that what you got to use uh, to, uh, to, to get it off you? She has been trying to wash her hair for a month. It will not move. She had to go to a hospital to figure out what to do and Gorilla Glue reached out and said, we're sorry to learn about your experience. We do not recommend using our products in hair as they are considered permanent. You could try soaking the affected area in warm, soapy water or applying rubbing alcohol to the area. Now, it gets crazier because Chance the Rapper gets in on this being supportive, saying, I'm glad people, and I'm, I'm taking the word people, using that as my word, because he didn't say people, actually supporting her through this. When I watched the video a second time, it was hard not to laugh, because I could tell shortly, uh, Shorty genuinely, not shortly, Shorty, genuinely didn't know she had put one of the world's most powerful adhesives in her hair. I hope she recovers well. Um, it's... Am I supposed to feel bad? Yes. Am I? Yes. Am I really? It was an accident. It's, it's, it's Gorilla Glue. Tony, it was an accident. You could, just because someone made a dumb mistake doesn't mean you can't feel bad for them. If I tripped on the street and cracked my head open, you wouldn't feel bad for me, even if I was a dummy and tripped? You... Tripping is different than someone saying, oh, this is glue. I'll just put this in my hair. You can still feel bad for them. Uh, This is not a child. 
You are just so heartless sometimes, man. I'm not trying to be heartless. I'm... I'm... Uh, I... 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 Uh, what may... What was happening? I want to know the moment she thought Gorilla Glue was the same as her hair concoction. I... You know what? It's not the end of the world. It's live and learn. I hope she's able to use some rubbing alcohol and get her hair back to whatever uh, she needed it to be. By the way, now that this is a story, I guarantee you somebody else does it. Because why do they want to bother with their hair? They'll just set it and leave it and it'll be good. It's coming. Tell your kids now not to do it before it's too late. This is Tony Katz today.